Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. Hey, uh, I want to share with you this morning a message. And, and uh, uh, Two weeks ago, I preached to you a message, Jedediah Rising. I still think it's one of the most important messages I preached this year. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go on Facebook or the website, listen to it, grab a CD. We have some CDs here and, and listen to that message. It is the one that killed Don Blazer Sr. and he came back to life. <laughs> And, uh, but no, if you could uh, just do that. But I, then I, I preached about this, this whole message about Jedediah, who was Solomon, born to David, the adulterer, the murderer, the conspirator. And that name Jedediah, which would mean so much to David, which means that even after you've made an incredible mess up, you can still produce something that God says he loves. That out of confession and repentance, that God says, now you can produce something that I love. And, and then that Jedediah to Solomon, who was born with a backstory. That forever he would be the son of a murderer, the son of a rapist, the son of a conspirator, the son of a murderer. His whole life would be connected to that. But God says, no, no, I love you. And then we talked about how that God took David and put three people in his life, a priest and, and a prophet and a protector, to raise Jedediah to his royal appointment. That's a prophetic picture for the church today. And um, so I preached on that, and I preached about how his banner over us is love. And out of that came some questions to me that week of how could God love me? How could God love me after all that I've done? How many know God loved you before you ever did a thing? So the scripture tells us. And I preached a message called How Could He Not? Which was dealing with that very thing of it's not a question of how can God love you. The question is, how can he not love you? After all he's done, after all he's, you are his creation. He gave his son for you. And we talked about that whole thing. And we talked about how, how many know, even, even when I sin, he loves me. That's me, he's pleased with me. How many of you love your children when they sin? Right? But you don't, you, you love them, but you're not pleased with them. And, and um, so I began to ponder that. Because I don't ever want people to be confused with God's love for you in spite of sin is as a condoning of sin. How many know sin grieves his heart? Sin grieves the heart of God when we sin. Uh, We live in a very tricky time, you know. Um, And first of all, let me say this to you this morning. That when we're talking about sin, aren't you glad that the Bible says this? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, so, so this morning, we can't sit here and say, well, he sinned, and he sinned, glad I didn't sin, and I mean, all of us in here have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, so I want to speak to you this morning, and, and I was thinking about this, and I, I have no idea what title to give this sermon today. Troy's probably thinking, well, you gave it one. No, I didn't. You see, some people are really good at titles. I hate titles for sermons. Like, I, I never start with a title and then work a premise around it. I know some people do that. They actually start with a title, and then they work a premise around it. I kind of just start with Scripture and see where it ends up, okay? It's kind of like you just throw a bunch of stuff in a pot. What do you call that? Some kind of mess, all right? And, and so here's the deal. I'm, I, I, I was thinking about this this morning. I said, I don't have a message. For, I don't have a title for this thing. So here's my title today. You ready? Here it comes. The title is, <laughs> You Decide. I'm going to let you, okay, I'm just looking for help today, all right? So when I'm done, if you've got a message, if you've got a title you think is good for this, you bring it to me, amen? And I will be sure to give you credit for that title. <laughs> some, of you, some of you are already thinking, yep, the message is stink, the sermon is stink. <laughs> but I want to talk to you 
about sin. Yet, because when we sin, the fact of the matter is we're not all grieved by sin. When we sin, not all of us are remorseful over our sin. We sin, and some of us post it on Facebook for all to see, and come celebrate my sin with me. Excuse me? Just saying. We sin and we justify it. We, we sin and we hide it. Nobody's ever hid their sin in this house, right? We sin and we flaunt it, all right? You know, um, and so I'm going to take a look at this morning. Here's what I'm going to attempt to do. In the next few moments, I'm going to talk a little bit about what is sin. I'm going to talk a little bit about why we sin. And I'm going to talk about how we leave it. And I'm going to promise you we end on a good note. Praise God. Uh, so, so let's talk about this. Before we can talk about sin, I want to talk about something else that the Scripture talks about a lot. And it's called the law of God. How many know God has a law? Right? We can go back to the Ten Commandments, God's law. We can go back to all the ceremonial law in the book of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. How many know Jesus fulfilled all that? Aren't you glad Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law? If Jesus didn't kill the ceremonial law, guess what? We'd have to go out and get some cow today and kill it, put his blood somewhere. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do that. Right? So I want to talk to you. I'll take, go with me to John chapter 8. We're going to use a little bit of this woman's story to kind of try to give us some enlightenment on this. Chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and sat her in the center of the court and said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, the law, the, in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women. What? do you say? Let me stop there. So now, they bring this woman, they put her in front of Jesus. They say to him, the law says we should stone her. The law of what? They said the law of Moses. How many know the law of Moses was the law of God? The law of Moses and the law of God were the same thing. Okay? The law of Moses was the law of God given to Moses to bring the nation of Israel to a destiny God had designed for it. How many know God had a destiny for Israel? Because God had a destiny for Israel, God had a set of requirements, a set of standards, a set of practices that they would operate by in order to get to that destiny. How many of you this morning who are parents, you have children, how many of you have a standard or a directives or commands that you want them to live by? Right? You set these in order because you have a dream for your child. You have a destiny for your child. You have a purpose for your child. You want them to come become what the, whatever it is you dream of. And to do that, you set up these borders around them. It's like a law, if you will. Um, how many know, and they faithfully obeyed it the rest of their life? And my mother should have yelled amen. She's slacking today. She's probably not even paying attention. The law of God was exactly that. Let me, give you, let me give you a couple definitions of that. It means the rule or the law producing a state approved by God. There is a state that God wants to bring his people to. There is a place where God wants to bring his people to. But in order to get to that place, he sets up a hedge around them called the law so that if they would live by that, they would get to that destination. Okay, how many of you know that obedience will always take us to God's intended place in our life? All right, now, let's talk about this. It's the observance of which is approved by God. So let me give it to you like this. The law of God was a set of commands or orders 
or directives put in place to bring us to a state of approval, or might I say, a state desired by God. God put these directives in our lives to maximize our lives, not take away from our life. The law of God was never there to suck joy out of your life. The law of God was not there to keep you from fun and having fun and pleasure. The law of God was put in our lives to maximize it. If you go clear back even to the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, God did not tell them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to take fun from them. He told them not to do it so they would not die. Therefore, don't do this so that you can maximize the life I've given you. God's not here to take away from our life. God's not in the business of saying, let me see how much of a tyrant I can be to suck the life out of them and suck the joy out of them. It's there rather to maximize it. Okay? The directives, they come as directives. I mean, they also come as prohibitions. There's things God tells us to do. There's things God tells us not to do. Right? In your children's lives, there's things you tell them to do. There's things you tell them not to do. All of that to bring them to a place that you dream for them. That's the law of God. Can I sum it up that way? But, okay, the violation of the law is to our detriment. The violation of the law is to the detriment of others. Okay? God has a plan for you and a plan on how to get there. It's up to us to whether we're going to follow that plan or not. It's up to us to say yes or no to his plan, to his law, to his ways, to his commands. It's up to us to say yes or no. He gave you that choice. Amen? Aren't you glad he gave you that choice? Depends on what day it is. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are some days you just think, gosh, I wish you wouldn't have given me that choice. Hmm? Sin is violating the law of God put in place by him to produce in you a state put in place. I messed up this slide, Troy. I'll, I'll come. Sin is violating the law of God put in place by him to produce in you, in you a place approved by him. When we sin, we are violating the very thing he put in place to bring us to a destination. When you rebel against your parents, when you disobey your parents, you are rebelling against the very thing they're putting in your place to bring you to the place they dream for. All right? Now let's talk about this. Sin, when you look in the scripture, sin is trying to achieve what God wants for us through disobedience. Listen, go back to the garden, Adam and Eve. God says everything he created was good. God said every tree Everything in here is good and it's for you. Enjoy life. Live long. How many know they weren't supposed to die? Live long. Maximize life. And the way that you do it is through obedience. But all of a sudden, man wants more. Man wants something better. Okay, God must be holding something back from me. And so in order to get what God actually has planned for you, I now break I now sin in order to achieve what God wants for us through disobedience. I think I have that on the slide. Sin is trying to achieve what God wants for us through disobedience. Do you know God wants you to be prosperous? 
Does God want you to be prosperous? How many of you know you don't have to steal to be prosperous? You don't have to lie to be prosperous, although people lie all the time to be prosperous. People cheat all the time to be prosperous. How many know you don't have to cheat the government to be prosperous? Okay? Uh, how many know God wants you, I don't know, pick something. God, ha- God ha- wants you to experience joy. He wants you to have a love of your life. But how many know you don't have to walk in sin to get it? You just don't. So sin is actually us trying to achieve what God wants for us through disobedience. Now watch this. This woman is caught in adultery, put in center court before Jesus. Her sin brought her center court before Jesus. Now here's why I want to I want I want to just stop here for a moment because see all of us can go oh yeah well she's a dirty rotten adulterer. And that one there sleeping around, and that one over there, okay? This woman was violating the law of God by sleeping with someone else's husband, all right? She was violating God's law. She was a sinner. But let me ask you a question this morning. What about you? What is it this morning that would put you center court before Jesus? What is it that would put you in that place, all right? Let me read you some scriptures found in Galatians, all right? Let's look at some of these. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, Impurity. Anybody ever had an impure thought? Sensuality. Anybody ever been sensuality? Idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Anybody hate anybody today? If you hate somebody today, you're in hatred, you're in sin. How many know that brings you center court? Are you strife? Are you jealous? Are you living in jealousy? How many know jealousy is a sin? Oh, it's quiet in here. Don't worry, it'll get better. You'll like me a little bit later on. Now, you'll like me in about 20 minutes. You'll really like me in about 40 minutes. I'll be done. You'll really like me tomorrow. Jealousy. Outburst of anger. Ugh. Anybody ever been there? Disputes. Dissensions. Factions. Let's go to the next one. Envy. Drunkenness. Carousing. And things like these, which I forewarn you. Just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Watch what he says, Paul says this, but we know that the law is good, even if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for the righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, murderers, immoral men, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars. Anybody lying here? No, we've we've dismissed that one in, in, in Christianity. Perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. According to the glorious gospel, the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. You you see, I I want you to hear this morning that all of us have something in our lives that could put us center court on trial before Jesus. But it's easy to point at other people. It's easy to point at that one who's, ah, that pastor, that that person there, they've they've been living together. That's right, and they shouldn't be. How's that pride doing in your life? Because I mean, you know, sometimes some things come from pride. Some things come from our own superiority, our own arrogance. So let's talk about this. I'm going to suggest that in this house today, all of us could confess to some sin. Now, my question is, what are we going to do with it? 
That's my question. You see, my question is, are we going to justify it? How many of you have ever justified your sin? All right, are we going to justify it? Because I, I can blame someone else for my sin. I mean, come on. God comes to Adam. Adam, what have you done? Have you eaten from the tree I told you not to? Well, it was my fault. It was her fault. She did it. She made me do it. All right? We, we start the blame game. We want to justify it. We blame our spouse. We blame our parents. Get over it. They hurt you. They wounded you. They might have done a lot of stuff. You know what? They can't justify your sin any longer. Can I just tell us that this morning? Can I just say to us this morning, it is time that we stop blaming mom and dad for our sin. Blame your parents. Blame your kids. Blame your government. You know what? I don't care what the Democrats are saying. You can't hate them. I don't care what the Republicans are saying. You can't hate them. You say, yes, I can. <laughs> I want to bet. All right? I mean, you blame your teacher. You're in school. You blame your teacher. You blame your pastor. You blame your friends. You blame the devil. Hello? It ain't the devil's fault. It's your fault. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. It ain't his fault. The Bible tells me that I'm sin when out of my own evil desire I'm tempted. It's in me that he's affording the opportunity. It's in me. The Bible tells me that every inclination of my heart is evil from childbirth. I've told you this before. I did not have to teach my children how to lie. Penny did. (laughs) She's homesick today. (laughs) Listen, you didn't have to teach them how to lie. They lied automatically. They learned that on their own. You didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. You didn't have to teach them how to get angry. You didn't have to teach those little suckers anything when it came to sin. You had to teach them how to share. You had to teach them how to tell the truth. You had to teach them all the good things. Why? Because they're not naturally bent that way. We're naturally bent to sin. That's why we need a redeemer. Listen to me. You have justified it long enough. You've justified it long enough. I don't care what the other person did. Don't allow them to hold you hostage to sin anymore. My question is, what are you going to do with it? Some justify it. Others hide it. Come on. I mean, I would like to hide it. Adam and Eve hid in the garden out of sin. Achan. Achan stole the devoted things when they went into Jericho. What did he do? He hid those things, right? I can hide my sin. David. David. The great David. Sins with Bathsheba. <gasps> Maybe I can hide this thing. She's pregnant. I know what I'll do. I'll hide it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get her husband to come home and I'll get him drunk and he can go sleep with his wife. And then they'll think the baby's his because they didn't have DNA testing in that day. <laughs> tried to cover it. I know, I mean, you know when we try to cover our sin, we actually end up sinning more. The more David tried to hide it, the more he sinned. Isn't it funny? The power of secret sin is secrecy. That the more he tried to hide it, the more he sinned. And then he could blame him. Well, if he had just went home and slept with her, I wouldn't have had to kill him. <laughs> I had a drug rehab in the early 90s. The guys worked really, really good one time. I think I've told you this story, but man, we had a work day one time, and they did such a great job. And I thought, man, I'm going to take them out to steak dinner. And so we took the gang. We went to Jethro's. We got the back room. We ate steak. We ate like hogs. It was great, right? 
in our rehab, you weren't allowed to smoke. Back, okay? And then uh, a couple weeks later, a guy got busted smoking. He said, look at me. He said, it's your fault. What do you mean it's my fault? He should have took it to that restaurant. People were smoking, and I got the itch. <laughs> okay? It's my fault. You're still busted. <laughs> All right? Samson ate the honey out of the lion, the dead carcass, and he gave it to his mother and father, but he kept it a secret. The hiding of sin only empowers it. We're going to justify it. We're going to hide it. Some want to celebrate it. Rather than being grieved over our sin, we actually are celebrating it. We get on that Facebook and we're angry. Those are outbursts of anger. How many know that's sin? And I can go on and on and on. You pick it. We sin and we post it proudly for all to see and to join us in it. We justify it. We hide it. We celebrate it. And so the question is, this morning, what are you going to do with it? You see, because i got to, I guess, understand something. God loves you no matter what, but God is not pleased with us no matter what. Our sin grieves his heart. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Why do we sin? Why do we sin? Well, while I think we can list a lot of reasons... I'm going to talk about two for a minute, okay? I think there's lots of reasons, but there's two I really want to talk of. One is the pursuit of pleasure. Think about it. Man was given everything he needed and wanted and could enjoy in the garden, and yet there was a quest for more. You know what would make a millionaire happy? Another million. <laughs> I mean, you know, we always want more of a good thing. That whole don't eat, you know, you can just eat one, just one potato chip. Who wants to eat one potato chip? That's just stupid. <laughs> like, that's, that's, just, that's just stupid. Okay, he just one chip out of there. Like, that's just like, not, that's, just, that's, just, that's just so dumb. <laughs> like, the, the, the old commercial years ago was, you bet you can't just eat one. Bet you can't just eat one. To my response, that is, duh. <laughs> duh. No intention of eating one. Might eat one bag, but I ain't going to eat one chip. God wants to give you good and pleasurable. Adam and Eve wanted more. He gave them everything they needed. They wanted more. Jacob swindled Esau because he was greedy. Some of us sin because we want more money to get more pleasure. More good stuff, right? David slept with Bathsheba because he had lust in his heart, and he was looking for something pleasurable. He wasn't doing it because he hated it. Samson walked in sin with Delilah because of the momentary pleasure of the moment. That one really scratches your head. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Greed. Remember Paul? Paul's writing to the Corinthians about the dude that sleep with his father's wife. Why was he doing it? Duh. Ananias and Sapphira sought the pleasure of recognition, and lied to the Holy Spirit. You see, the pursuit of something that brings us pleasure may actually lead us to the rebellion of God. Listen, and let me just put a disclaimer out there this morning. You're not looking at a pastor who's always been, uh, I'm still not perfect, obviously, but I haven't, like, like, I had a past, Amen. Like, let me tell you something. Some of you are going to say, well, Pastor, I remember when you were 17, and I remember, thank you, Jesus, for being that long ago. My, listen, I, I'm not telling you here's somebody who got, my wife was pregnant when we got married. 
all right? It didn't make it right. Praise God, I got a pastor today. Praise God, he's redeemed us today. But I'm not telling you I did it right. I'm just telling you. And was it sin? Yes. Why was I sinning? Because it was pleasurable. How many know the Bible talks about pleasure and sin for a season? Right? Again, going back to this statement I said earlier, sin is actually trying to achieve what God desires for us through disobedience. God wanted me. God wanted me to have a wife and enjoy intimacy and enjoy. God wanted me to do that. But there's a prescribed manner in which God wants me to do it. I don't have to disobey to get what God already wants for me. Does that make sense? Sin is sometimes just because we're in a pursuit of pleasure. But then there's another one. There's some sin as an escape of pain. The attempt to escape pain leads us into sin. Some are sinning today because you're trying to numb the pain. Some are trying to heal the wound. Some have had the pain of rejection. Therefore, I'm going to go this direction. Some of the pain of loss, the pain of being unloved, the pain of childhood, the pain where I have so much pain that if I can just get this, I know it's sin, but this will numb that in my life. Because I have so much pain, I'm popped these pills to escape that pain for a season. I'm going to get drunk to forget about it, knowing I'm going to remember it when I get sober anyhow. The anxiety of life drives some to pills. The sadness of life has led some to bottles. The loss of an emotional attachment in your marriage has led to physical infidelity because we don't start physical. It starts emotional most of the time. The pain of a critical parent has led to the quest for approval, even if it meant hurting others around you. You run to another woman because of the pain caused by this woman. You run to another man because of the pain caused by this man. Think about it. Young girls are having babies out of wedlock intentionally to heal the pain of abuse. If I could just have a baby, it'll fix it. It won't fix it. The baby will be a blessing because I mean, no, babies are a blessing. I'm just telling you, I've, I've talked to them. To heal the rejection, to heal the detachment of parents. If I could just do this. I want love so much that I'm willing to do whatever. The problem with that is, well, let me go back to the pleasure one. You see, what happens though, we, we end up searching. I, I wanna, I'm going to sin because I want pleasure. But the bottom line, what happens is, the searching for pleasure through sin ultimately, ultimately results in displeasure. And how many know, it only gets bad. The effects of it. Trying to escape pain through sin only increases pain. Do you understand that there are times in your life where you're trying to escape the pain and because you're trying to escape the pain, you walk in violation of God's law, ultimately causing more pain to those around you. Sin always causes pain. Adam and Eve sinned And how many know pain came into their children's lives? If you think, if you think 
that leaving your wife or your husband doesn't cause pain to the family, you think again, ma'am or sir. Just telling you. It actually causes more pain. Say, Pastor, I don't like this message. I don't like it either. (laughs) And it's not just that. But on and on we can go. But let's talk about this for a moment. And I'll be done in a little about like another 20 minutes. Notice I didn't say two hours. Now watch this. So this woman, let's go back to her for a moment. I don't know her situation. We don't know the backstory. All we know is that she was caught in adultery. She was guilty. How many know grace doesn't say we weren't guilty? How many know we got grace because we were guilty? Right? And so I don't know what caused her to get there. I don't know what caused her to end up being caught in this situation. I don't know what the woman at the well, I don't know what made her have five husbands and the one she was living with wasn't her husband. I don't know what caused it all. My guess is there's both a combination of pleasure and pain. And so this woman, they put her there, and and you know the story. They said this to test him. They might have grounds for accusing him, but Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he's without sin among you. Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Aren't you glad nobody in here today can arm themselves with a stone? Amen? Again, he stooped down. He wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go, leave your life of sin. All right, let's look at this. You got this woman caught in adultery. She's a sinner. She's on center court in front of Jesus. This sin is a violation of God's will, God's law. Sin violating God's law is something we do. It does not take us to God's intended purposes of our life. And so now here she is deserving death according to the law. Here she is. Her decisions brought her to a place. What is going to happen with her? What is going to happen? Are they going to stone her? And all of a sudden, you see what happens in the scripture. You see, the good news is, here's the good news this morning. There may be the quest for pleasure that led you to sin, and there may be the try to escape pain that led you to sin, but here's the good news. The good news is Jesus is the answer for both of these. The good news, he's the answer. He's the answer to the pleasure you seek. He's the answer to the pain you're trying to escape. He's the answer to the sin that comes out of both. The answer to the woman was Jesus. Now listen to me. The answer to the woman's problem was not what Jesus wrote in the ground. It was who wrote in the ground. I don't know what he wrote. I know who the answer was, right? The answer to the woman's sin that may have flowed out of pain was Jesus. The answer to the woman's sin that might have flowed out of seeking pleasure was Jesus. How many know he's the author of your pleasure? He's the author of your life. The Bible says that he what? Came to bind up the brokenhearted. The Bible says he came to heal the wounds. The Bible says he came to release the captives. How many know he's better than a pill? He's better than a bottle. He's better than a man. He's better than a woman. And he's better than a child. He's better than anything this world has to offer to heal the wound and the pain. And Jesus looked at her and says, and I don't condemn you either. You know why he didn't condemn her? Because the Bible tells me he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to forgive the world, to redeem the world. What's he going to do? Condemn the very one he came to die for? (laughs) 
Jesus ain't condemning you. He may convict you, but he's not condemning you. He's not condemning you because he's the one who redeems you. He looks at this woman. Now he says, woman, you got a choice. You can leave your life of sin. You can hide your sin. I mean, that was busted. You can justify your sin. Well, you don't understand, Jesus. I'm in adultery because my husband hasn't loved me like he should. I mean, that doesn't matter. But you don't understand. My wife doesn't love me like she should. Don't care. No excuse for sin. I'm preaching it to myself here too, all right? I'm going to come up with justifications for things. You can justify it. She had a choice. She could just say, I don't give a rip. Hey, look at me. Come on, let's sin together. Some people doing that. Facebook, social media, whatever. It doesn't have to be social. And he looks at her and he says, now, you, I don't condemn you, and you leave your life of sin. How do I leave a life of sin? How do I deal with this sin? Well, let me remind you something, first of all. The Bible says very clearly about Jesus. Jesus made a statement. He said, I have come, not, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Hmm. How does Jesus do that? Right? This woman, in sin, finds something that she didn't earn and deserve. What she deserved was a stone, according to the law. Jesus came to call the sinful. Jesus is still calling the sinful to leave their lives of sin. He's not celebrating with you in your sin. He's not celebrating you in your gossip. He's not celebrating with you sleeping around. He's not celebrating with you in your drunkenness. He's not celebrating with you in your pride and your arrogance. He's not celebrating with you in your cheating on taxes. He's not celebrating with you in whatever you want, in your hatefulness. He's not celebrating you. He is not celebrating with you. He is grieved by it this morning. He was a friend of sinners, not an enabler of sinners. Ouch. He was a friend of sinners, not a celebrator of sin. And he looks at her. He says, now, you go leave your life of sin. I'm your answer to your sin. I'm the answer to what stands opposed to you. I'm the answer for you. Now go and leave it. Right? And how do I leave this life of sin? How many know, first of all, i got to come into confession? How many know I confess that I'm a sinner? I confess to God that I agree with you that what I'm doing is a violation of your law. Because let me know you won't repent of something you don't agree with. It's hard for me to repent if I don't come into agreement with God on what sin is. David had to come to a place where he accepted the fact that he was the man. I am the man. I am the sinner. And confession leads to repentance because now I agree with God that what I'm doing is a violation of his law. Now watch this. But what, but what, what enables me? What causes me? You see, because that's what I want you to get this morning, if nothing else. It is, I'll just, let me start here. The, now Jesus says, go and leave. The fuel to flee a life of sin is the grace, mercy, and love of Christ. The propellant to cause you to leave a life of sin is not hell. 
It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It has got to be Jesus. It has got to be a person. It has got to be Jesus that is the propellant to you leaving the life of sin. You can't scare a kid long enough to keep him out of sin. How many know what I mean? See, here's what she got. She gets into the midst. She's a sinner. And she didn't get what she deserved. She got what she didn't deserve, which was grace and mercy and love. From that place is where she was to leave her life of sin. You live, listen to me this morning. We live from what we receive, not what we want to get. We live from what we receive, not what we're trying to get. In other words, I have received grace. I have received mercy. I have received love. I'm living from that foundation. I'm not trying to get it. I'm not trying to be good and sinless to get grace. No, no, no. I'm going to try to be good and sinless because I got grace. I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to try to live a life pleasing to God because he loves me. Not because I'm scared of him. Not because I'm afraid of going to hell. You live from what we live from what we receive, not what we want to get. We live from forgiveness, not for forgiveness. The only thing you can do to get forgiveness of sin is put your trust in Jesus. You can't give enough money. You can't go to church enough. You can't do enough good things. You can't dress a certain way. You can't all this other. No. You live from a position of forgiveness, not trying to get it. If I jump through enough hoops, ah, I'm forgiven. No. I'm going to live because I have been forgiven. You live from mercy, not to get mercy. I live from mercy, not to get mercy. Listen to the scripture says. Listen, listen to this. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, everybody say, but God. Being rich in mercy. Come on, how many know he is rich in mercy? Because of his great love, with which he loved us. Watch this. Watch this. Even when we were dead in our sin, made us alive. When did he make me alive? When I was dead in my sin. Why did he make me alive when I was dead in my sin? Because I was dead in my sin. Get it? If I could do something to cause me to live when I was dead in my sin, I wouldn't have needed Jesus. But he did it while I was dead in my sin. I got mercy when I was a sinner. We live from love, not for love. I'm not trying to get God to love me. I'm trying to get him to be pleased with me. I don't have to try to get him to love me. He already loves me. He'll love me if I choose to reject him and go to hell. We live from love. What's the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us what? That we, don't you, do not think lightly of his riches, of his kindness, and tolerance and patience, knowing that the kindness of God, the love of God, leads you to repentance. I repent 
because of his love. Jesus looks at this woman and says, woman, where are those who condemn you? I don't have anyone, and I don't condemn you either. And I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to give you mercy, and I'm going to give you love. And now, from that position, go and leave your life of sin. The reason you leave it this morning is because of who Jesus is and what he's brought to your life. We live from grace, not to get grace. We're not trying to get it. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ. Today, there are sinners in this house. And everybody said, (laughs) but how many know there are also saints in this house? The Bible calls us saints. Some today, your sin is in pursuit of pleasure. You think about it. I can't nail it down. I don't know everybody's. But I can tell you this. Some, there's some sort of pleasure. Some today, your sin has flowed from pain. How can I escape this pain? How can I numb it? And those, we're in this house. You chose to hide it. You chose to hide it. You're hiding it. And the hiding of it is empowering. And how many know this? It's funny that we're trying to hide it from the one who knows all things. Adam and Eve are hiding from God. (laughs) Maybe he can't see us behind this fig leaf. (laughs) How many of you ever played hide and seek with your kids? Okay. Okay. Liam is the worst hide-and-seek player in the world. Like, he's the worst, okay? If, he, if, 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 if you literally can't find him, and in, in 10 seconds he wants you to find him, so he starts making noise. He's the worst, okay? It, we're, we're like that. We're like trying to hide from God. Oh, God, maybe didn't see this sin. And we're trying to hide it from him. Don't hide it. Confess it. Come into agreement. You'll find that he's merciful and he's faithful to forgive. That's what the Bible says. That he's faithful to forgive. See, but what we're doing in the church today is that we've done it for long, a long time, is that we're pointing at some sins while ignoring others. Your gossip is as bad as their adultery in the eyes of God. You're killing your brother with your words. There are those who are in this house today, and you're justifying it. Stop justifying it. You're sinning because you like it, or you're sinning because you're trying to escape something. Now, how do I know that? Been there, done that. There are some, you're celebrating it. Knock it off. I'm just telling you, God's not celebrating with you. He's a party pooper. God is the ultimate sin party pooper. But today in this house, Jesus is calling. I'm the answer. I'm the answer to what you seek. I'm the answer to what you're running from. 
I'm the answer from what you're running from, and I'm the answer for what you seek because I'm the answer to sin. Man, not only is he the answer for our pain, not only is he the answer for what we are trying to get, but how many know he's the answer to the sin? Come on, Troy. Everybody says, praise God when he says that. Three favorite words of every Sunday. Come on, Troy. And we can chant it. Come on, Troy. Come on, Troy. <laughs> Listen to me. How do I view, how do you view sin? I suggest this morning that we have to view it through the lens that is Jesus. I would suggest we have to view it through the love of Christ. That I would suggest that when I'm in a love relationship with the lover of my soul, who gave me grace and who gave me mercy, who gave me forgiveness, that I come to a place and say, this isn't something I want to leave because I'm afraid of going to hell. This is what I want to leave because it breaks the lover of my soul's heart. How I many know it makes a great difference when you do something from a motivation of love versus a motivation of fear? There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. That all of a sudden now, it's like, man, whoa, whoa. I don't want to do this because I know I'm doing the very thing that Jesus gave his life for. I'm doing the very thing that he died for me for. He died for my sin and I keep doing it. But see, here's the thing about it though. When we come to a place, she wasn't just leaving a life of sin. How many know she was leaving a life of sin and now walking into a new life planned for her by God? You're leaving that life of sin, stepping into something better. It's not going from better to worse. I've heard testimonies sometimes. And it's like, oh, I did this and I had that. And oh my gosh, I was a drug dealer and I had a million dollars. and I had this at my disposal. As if they gave it up for Christ. You didn't give it up for Christ. What you have is better in Christ. So, so listen to me. You say, well, Pastor... What am I calling us to? I'm calling the church back to a place where we say, I confess. I've got to come into agreement with you, God. Uh, there's some things in my life got to go. I want to leave that behind. I, I, I want to leave the gossip. I want to leave the anger. I, I want to leave the bitterness. I, I'm sleeping around no more. I'm not going to be drunk no more. Because I come in to confess you with you. I'm not living together anymore. Not because I'm afraid of going to hell but because I know you love me and I know you give me grace and I know you want to give me mercy. I, I'm not attempting to please you for what I get. I'm going to attempt to please you for what I already got. I'm going to leave my life of drunkenness. I'm going to leave my life of you fill in the blank this morning. You fill in the blank. Some are sitting there somewhere, I haven't done any of those. Well, let me tell you what, some of you can leave your life of self-righteousness. 
the pride that has rose up in your heart right now as I speak. Some of you can leave. You know how I know that? I've been out there too. <laughs> Did you come up with a title for my sermon? You do it for you. All right, what's God's name this morning? Let me wrap it up. Everybody said, please do. We're in a dangerous place. Where we're celebrating sin instead of being grieved by it. We're in a dangerous place where we're more concerned about hiding it than confessing it. We're in a place where we find ways to justify it rather than being appalled by it. Because here's what I know. When I go back to Jedediah, David sinned with Bathsheba, that which was birthed and sin died. He then confessed and he repented. The Bible shows us that clearly. He even made restitution according to the Old Testament law. And then he had a son, a fruit, that God said, I love that. I can love that. Your life, if you want to produce something that God loves, it's going to come out of confession. And it's going to come out of repentance. And it's going to come out of that place of brokenness before God. Out of that place where you know confidently I've got grace and mercy. I'm going to come into agreement with God. And what's God saying this morning? God's saying simply this this morning. Go leave your life of sin. Go leave your life of sin. God loves you. And I still love you. But go leave your life of sin. I would love to know. Some things you just don't know. But boy, would I love to know the rest of that woman's life. I'd just love to know the rest of her life. I mean, she stood on the precipice of death. Any moment, he could have gave the word, stone her. At any moment, he could have said, kill her, stone her. She deserves it. And instead, she walks away forgiven. She walks away not condemned. She walks away totally forgiven with one mandate upon her life. Go leave it. Go leave it. Listen to me this morning. I'll make you a promise. If you will leave it, you will never regret it. You will never regret what you leave. but you will regret what you continue to live in. Father, this morning, I I just ask for your Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts. To deal with our hearts. This is not a Pastor Jim trying to bring some kind of, like, uh, conviction into our church. But no, no, this is a matter of you looking at us and saying, listen, I I have so much for you. 
And what I have for you is not found through disobedience. What I have for you is found through obedience. What I have for you is not found through sin. What I have for you is found through righteousness. But you're simply, you are calling us to come into agreement with you. We cannot justify our sin. If we justify it, we are not coming into agreement with you. May this house this morning, may we have the humility to say, I'm the man. May we have the humility before you to come into agreement with you. Without rationalizing, justifying. May this morning, our confession bring us into that agreement with you that leads us to repentance of saying, I'm walking away from that. That's the way I walked. That's where I was headed. But now, my Savior, my Redeemer, the one who paid for my price, the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, that one, the lover of my soul, said to me, go live, go and live. Go and live, but live leaving your life of sin. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life that he has for you is not found in sin. The abundant life that he has for you is not found in disobedience. The abundance life that he has for you is not found in following your own way. The abundance life he has for you is founded upon being faithful and obedient and repentant before him. Let's just bow our heads this morning and our hearts before God. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, shine a light. Some of you don't need a big light. Some of you already know. Like some of you are like, dude, I know what the sin is already. But for some, maybe it's going to take the Holy Spirit to illuminate some things that maybe you've been blinded to. The Bible says the God of this age blinds the minds of unbelievers. Maybe there's a blindness to some things. You say, Holy Spirit, shine your light. Shine your light. And in that moment, I'm going to challenge you to come into agreement with God. going to challenge you once you come into agreement to say I repent I walk away from that I'm walking away from that because I know if I walk away from that I walk into the life he has for me I just want you to stay where you're at I want you to stay seated for a moment I want you to keep your head bowed, eyes closed and I just want you, this is between you and God I'm not making, I'm not even, I'm not making you raise hands and all that stuff this morning this is you and God. Troy's going to lead us in a song, but I want you to sing it. I want them singing over you as you say, Holy Spirit, minister to me. Minister to me. Just take a moment and do that this morning. You know, the Bible uses a phrase that we stand justified. Because of what Jesus did, we stand justified before God. But I want to say to you this morning, as long as you justify your sin, it's hard to stand justified before God.
See, this is not a this is not a, a, a this is not a harsh message. This is a message of life. It's a message of life. It will lead you to life more abundantly. Yeah. It leads to life. It leads to freedom. It leads to restoration of some things. So this day, I say to you, you live from what you receive. We receive by faith from Jesus, grace and mercy. We receive the love of God. And we live from that. And we leave our life of sin. Tim, I'm going to ask you to come and you can share your testimony quickly. <laughs> Tease me out. And uh, then close in prayer. Um, gave my heart to Christ in 1985. So here I am, 33 down, down the road. Christianity. My wife, I've been blessed beyond measure. Just can't even speak of it. But. So we're looking to buy a C-Class motorhome. We've been looking on Craigslist, and we finally found one. Went and looked at it. It's beautiful. It's what we want. The guy had his asking price for it. We negotiated, and we came to what we wanted. And I said, you know, we were back and forth. But here's what he said. He said, you know, we can make the price $8,000 cheaper at the notary. And I said, oh, okay. Because that was going to save me $500 in taxes. And I said, oh, okay. And it burned. And it still burns. But I had to call him. I had to say, that's what he just said. Because my love for Christ, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, you know, $500, whoopee. I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money in the scheme of life and eternal values and my life with Christ. You know, it's like, oh, boy, I'll save 500 bucks. I'll put it into this and this and this. And God said, what are you doing? And I, and I had to call the man. You know, we're making arrangements. We haven't closed on a deal yet. And I said, sir, I just want to tell you that when we do this, I want to just claim the whole amount. He said, oh, whatever you want to do, that's up to you. I said, well, I'm a Christian. I said, it just would not. I can't live with that. I can't. And I thank God for that. That doesn't, I'm a goof. You know that. Anybody knows me. But I'm so glad that Christ is willing to purge me like that. Those I love, I chastise, he said. You know, when he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants you to do things. You can't make excuses. There's always an excuse. If you want to, well, you know, it's daggone government, and they take everything, and I have every right to. No, I don't. Render under Caesar's what is Caesar's. And so I'm so thankful. And, it, like, it's just a testimony to God, not about this punk. It's about God and what he does if you allow him and if you... You know, my wife and I, we've been praying, we're reading in Hebrews and talking about the heroes of faith and stuff like that. And we all have abilities to screw things up. You know, we all have abilities to make it right in our minds. There's a, we can do it. There's a way. We can probably even find a scripture too that says, leans that way. But you have to check your own heart and you have to know at the end of the day, where am I? I can't blame it on this guy, that guy, like pastor said. So that's my testimony, and I really appreciate the message. It was sort of like a 
you know, a, a little pat on the head, like, see, that's exactly what I was telling you the other day, schmuck. So anyway, we're going to close in prayer. Thankful for this guy and what he does and just brings the message so true and so honest. So we can pray for Penny, too, because she's married to him. But besides that, we're going to close in prayer now. Lord, we thank you so much for the willingness you have. You want us to be clean and holy and righteous, and you're never going to condone our sin. You love us with an undying love. You're never going to forsake us nor leave us. You'll be closer than a brother. But as with our children, when they do something that's out of line, we don't like what they did, but we still love the child, and that's you all over. You taught us how to do that. You taught us how to love first, and then do the rest shall be added unto you, and all, you know, acknowledge you in all things, and you will direct our paths. And so, Father God, we thank you for the service today. We thank you for the worship team and the great job they did up here, Lord, for the tech team that made everything sound good today, the teachers back in the back that are teaching our children and our grandchildren and so on, and our teenagers and whoever else. Father God, we just thank you for the ministry here at Transformation Church and all that you're doing and all that you intend to do. You know, we're not going to be done till we see you face to face. We're going to pass this earth. It says, be as in the bodies, be present with the Lord. Until that day, Lord, help us to serve you, to seek you out while you may be found. Quit making excuses. Quit making excuses for ourselves, Lord. Be honest. There's no sense in lying, just like he said about Adam and Eve. They're hiding. For what stinking reason were they hiding? Because you're God. So, Father, we just want to lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus and ask you to do the works that you intended in us individually as well as corporately. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory and the honor and all the love, Lord God. And let us be quick to repent whenever we recognize, whenever we're up to something, you know, and we know that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but you're faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sins. Help us to do that in a hurried fashion, Father. We'll ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.